Hi, I'm Liz. And I'm Rhea. Welcome to Karma's My Bitch, a podcast about love, sex, connection, abundance, joy, purpose, peace, and how life isn't simply the stories we tell ourselves. It's funny that we're having this conversation because I remembered, I remember two weeks ago, well, no, actually two days ago, Mm -hmm. such a lie, sitting with some friends and we were talking about relationships. Okay. An ending. And I said, if as you tend to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. In sex. I said, if you're not over it, it's not over. Okay. And for me, that's a golden rule. Mm-hmm. You know, either they'll be back in some way or another, or there's something still that you haven't processed. But if you're not over it, it's not over. Yeah. It's and un- all- something remains unresolved yeah. somewhere. Yeah. And they looked at me like I was fucking crazy. Oh, really? Yeah. And I was like, because I'm obviously looking at it from maybe a more spiritual lens of Mm -hmm. like, listen, if you're not over it, there's a reason. Mm -hmm. And either this person will re-enter to draw close to that reason. (laughs) You could hope you could get that pretty bow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Or you will figure something out. And normally, again, it's like if the longer it takes, you know, like whatever it is, it's just normally an indication. And it's funny because when you think about... That for them was crazy. But if I said to them, oh, if a girl wants to have sex, she can have sex tomorrow. They'll be like, yeah. But if a guy wants to have sex, it's not guaranteed. They'll be like, yeah. And that's really where we're basing a lot of this on, right? If you think about that is, that is actually, yeah, (laughs) yeah, but that's just quite a normal thing to think when, I mean, but it's not true. Mm -hmm. It's not true at all. Mm -hmm. I know many men who have said no. Mm -hmm. And I know many women who have said yes when they didn't mean yes. Mm. So actually this idea that thinking that we're exercising a choice when it's not actually a choice it's quite, was quite pervasive. And it, it does did attribute to a lot of the sexual dysfunction. It really did. Yeah. And if we go to that place of where women are in power when they are rejecting men mm-hmm. and men are in power when women are saying yes to them, mm-hmm. think about all the things that stem from that. So whether so it is, much, oh my gosh, mind so, blowing. Yeah. So, so whether it is what is sexy becomes mm. a beauty standard, yeah. right? I need to look a certain way. So more men want me so I can reject more of them. Yeah. So I have more choice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have just one to choose from. Yeah. I've got plenty. <laughs> yeah. And on the other side, I need to be more powerful. I need to be more yeah acknowledge I need to be more funny I need to be more attractive well, I need exactly to... but for men it's interesting and just like women the scale for beauty standards among men while different from women are much harsher because also some of them there's nothing they can do about like height height part of that is also just because it's also upheld by mainstream society true right I mean yes some of it's biological you know I need this I need somebody who's going to like throw me down well not just throw me down <laughs> That's where Rhea's mind goes. But I'm also just like, protect against other hunters who might want to kill us. Yeah, also. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's that survival instinct. As we said in the previous episode, we're sort of at the, sort of at the beginning, in the beginning of the beginning. And so we're going to be seeing a lot of these beauty standards, not just shift, but they're going to have to go. But before anything goes, remember, it has to be held and looked at, which is pretty much what we're doing at the moment, which is like examining why did I need this? Or why did I think this mattered? Mm. Why does this hair color mean more than the other hair color? Mm. Right? Even if you're out of your karma and stuff, there's still that, all, again, that that wiring we have, mm. right? Where That we're still moving out of. Mm. I mean, it takes getting out of your karma to even see that wiring for what it is. Yeah. Right? And when you're socialized, 
this way, which we all have been to some degree or another, especially what I noticed in living in developing countries like Brazil, it's even bigger because you can imagine the level of disempowerment that women have, right? So mm. the, the need to be with somebody who has a modicum of influence or power. Mm. Because again, if you can say no to everyone, you're going to say yes to the one who's going to keep you the most alive mm -hmm. and the one who's going to make you appear at least the most empowered. Yeah. I'm so great that I managed to get this catch. It can right? be very validating yeah. to and, be and, seen as a sex goddess. I mean, I'm telling you, like I had... When I was in my younger days, I could feed off that. It was great. I can it's get so it. Potent. And no judgment. I'm like, yeah, no, it's like, great Amen. to be able to be like, actually, you know what? I am sexy mm -hmm. and I feel sexy and yes. they think I'm sexy. But it's again, it's when we're only defining it from that space Completely. is yeah. where it becomes something that's not in our power because someone, the minute they don't think we're sexy anymore, then we're powerless. And that's not power if it can be taken away by someone else. Mm -hmm. But these commodifications of these industries, so yeah. whether it is kind of the playboy idea of, you know, the male gaze, I am here to have everyone fawn over me. Yeah. Or whether it's porn, yeah. you know, or oh. whether it's even even the Hollywood porn. shit. Do you know what I mean? Like if we're even looking at Hollywood and the way we're looking at the, the female-male interaction or even the masculine-feminine interaction, as we're going to kind of elevate it to. Yes. Like, it's it's always very much this idea playing around those tropes, that, that power mm -hmm. dynamic of the romantic gesture, the withholding of sex. It, it goes more comedy when you get to the knocked-up stuff of she slept with him on the first night and they ended up falling in love. You know, the, those. it's not... <laughs> Like we don't, we don't necessarily have just people in any kind of industry, mm -hmm. like being mirrored back to us who are just living in each moment as we've explained in modern love, mm -hmm. who just people come in and out and they connect and they have sex how they want, when they want, with who they want, wherever they want. No, it's still within all It's still within, yeah, within, yeah. within the, what makes you still worthy mm -hmm. and how, how are we going to measure that? Yeah. And one thing about porn, because I thought it was really interesting that we finally got to talk about it or bring it up because we haven't discussed it in any of our episodes, really, when it, when we talk about dating relationships or sex, because um, this isn't the only time we've ever discussed sex, but this is the only time where we've devoted entire episodes to sex. And I find it fascinating that this is the time we get to do it, right? In between seasons, it's not necessarily connected to any quote unquote learning of the season. Because it's connected to everything. Exactly. Well, we'll discuss it probably in the next episode. It's not because it, it, it doesn't have a lot to do with oneness. It does and it doesn't. And so we can't really have it in the oneness conversation the way we were, which was more about relationship, right? And we couldn't necessarily have it in the conversation in the next season about spirit in motion because it's not necessarily, while we're taking a spiritual lens to it, it's not necessarily spiritual. Well, the whole beauty of it, just as we've discussed in season five, that episode about honoring our human experience, one of the beauties of being in human body, yes. one of the beauties of being human is sex. Yes. So therefore, it's not so much a spiritual thing rather mm. than it's a real human thing. Exactly. And our humanity has destroyed it. Yes. Well, and our spirituality, can our probably fears, save it. our fears that are held within our sort of our human framework have mm. destroyed it, right? And separation. Honestly, has the one benefit it. of being in body, and we're fucking it up. Yeah. Well, that in eating, I think. I yeah. do love food. But so yeah, so but, porn. Yeah. So porn. I've asked guidance about this. Like, where, when can we sort of wade into this a bit? And you know what's really fascinating? You know, there's so many ways in which you can sort of look at the porn spectrum. Because I thought, you know, I asked, is that would you are you know could that be the 
representative of the more extreme, like when they kind of put it on the list of things that I was like, well, is that um, a somewhat more extreme emblem of sexual dysfunction? And interestingly, they said no. That makes sense to me, to be honest. Yeah. Okay. I can't say I was surprised. I'm never surprised by the answer. Mm. I'm just usually just, just try to keep it open mind. But yeah. I did think, well, because when I think porn, I'm not thinking about, you know, I'm thinking about a lot of the different darker porn. And even then it was no. Why? Right? Their reasoning is that, first of all, that's because it's not for mainstream consumption. Right. So when you're really considering maybe darker elements of porn, that is directed toward um, a very small subset. While it's sexual dysfunction on the surface, a lot of that is spiritual dysfunction. As in, you know, those were those many of them. If you really want to hurt someone else, then you really cannot be connected to your soul. Right. I mean, and you're looking at the karmic theme of I am evil. Mm. When they talk about porn in this respect, like in, in this sort of, as we're sort of in the sexual dysfunction, it is somewhat of that sort of fantasy, the like the tropes, the, you know, the daddy bullshit or the whatever. And while it is unhealthy and sexually dysfunctional, it's not the other bit. Mm. And as you had said, you know, our relationship to sex, our relationship to any of this that we consume is so emblematic of our relationship to ourselves mm. and just how separate we are. So everything is representative of, of what degree of separation mm. we are experiencing within ourselves. So consuming porn will indicate where you are in your separation. Porn in general? Um, porn in general is we'll kind of keep it general. But could you be out of your karma, fully whole healed and enjoy porn? No, not really. Um, okay, we're going to answer that here. Okay. So it's not to say that you wouldn't necessarily be into like sex videos, right? They'll just have to be of a, like a healthier variety. Fine. Yeah. All right. So in terms of porn, when we say that word and what comes to mind, no. Because what we're talking about, like, so for example, the examples of women being forced to do stuff, the very male gaze, when you're actually watching a video and you're like, mm, these women are being coerced into even being on the screen. That's all very uncomfortable. Yeah. That's what you're really meaning. Exactly. Here. And where the power dynamic is so skewed. Yes. Yeah. Whereas actually there's a whole host of like more healthier types coming up. Yes, exactly. It's so the sort of, of women for women. It's, it's the sensuality. sensuality. Yeah, exactly. It's more playing in the fantasy rather than playing in the, the healthier power. fantasy, if one might want to say, right? Yeah. Like a holistic fantasy. It's opposed... not about power, basically. Exactly. It's not the control abuse power. No, it's just two, more one, two, three. <laughs> plus people exploring their desires mm -hmm. rather than having their desires chosen for them and then imposed on them. Yeah. Or those desires playing in the old tropes because I can't get out of my sexual immaturity Yeah. or my fantasies because I'm so deeply dissatisfied and unhappy and buried under my karma. Okay. So yeah. then the, but those tropes are still coming from romance anyway, aren't they? <laughs> in the worst way. <laughs> yes. So says me. I, I don't I don't want to say that I'm anti romance, but there's just romance. You literally is... wrote an article called Romance Must Die. <laughs> okay. So I don't feel like we can pretend you're not anti romance, but you are a romance writer. So it's just a very strange contradiction that is just... not really a contradiction in no, some ways. Not... Because it's not that you dislike romance and love and relationships. You dislike the power tropes that lead to unrealistic expectations. Which is and... pretty much almost all of romance. Well, it's even, even now. To be honest, it's not even unrealistic expectations. It's actually more disempowerment mm -hmm. of everyone involved. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's very, actually very different 
to unrealistic expectations. Because unrealistic expectations are just expectations that have been not fulfilled yet. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Whereas everyone being... Well, you really, you, you really like broke that one down. <laughs> I don't know what just came out. But you know, it makes sense. Like, you know, but all these romance books are effectively the seduction process. And it is very much the most I would I would have to argue, I mean, it's the most influential byproduct of the sort of seduction practice that, you know, when we sort of began to realize that, you know, no one could possess us and we could say yes or no, then suddenly it was like, okay, well then how can how else can I get laid now? Mm. You know, if I can't just wield my power or wield my penis and get laid, then what else is there, right? And so romance created games, right? Seduction bred romance, which led to games. Then I need to make someone think that they need me so then I can deliver myself to them. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, in this, in the most simple way, that's what negging is, right? So when you tell someone, oh, you're pretty, you're pretty fit for a fat girl, for oh. example, oh, you're, you're giving them a compliment, but you're also telling them how shit they are at the same time. So they feel like, oh, this person can see all of me and they still like, you know, it's like that neg. It's like, it's, it was a type of flirting. It was terrible. So gross. It was part of actually called the game. It was part of the game. Oh, okay. It was like quite an important oh, part okay, of it. Oh, yeah. okay. 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 I, I could, I could sort mm. of see that. Like, oh, you're yeah. not that special. You're not that special. Yes, but with a good point in there right, as well. Right, right. No, of course. That's what I mean. Uh, you're quite like, funny for someone who has no sense of humor. Right, right. So okay. they I can see how Brits would really like use that No, it's American. They're... Okay, well, I, I'm aware of it in the American way. But it's I've the game, really... yeah. Yeah, yeah, in the game. The, I read it. I was curious, obviously. Oh, I've always been curious yeah, about the yeah. show. I mean, I made I, those I up. I just okay. pulled them out my ass. <laughs> okay. But yeah, 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 like that kind of thing. I need to make you feel like you need me. Mm-hmm. So then then I can recreate that power dynamic that yeah. now, now that you don't realize that you have. Or that so, you're not good enough for anyone. So if I choose you, exactly. you'll feel flattered. Exactly. It's yeah. all the same shit, right? Oh, because if you think of like the old school power dynamic, mm-hmm. this is just the upgraded version of actually, <laughs> wait a second. So <laughs> now you've realized that, that you have choice. I'm going to try and make you believe that you don't have one so then I can take it away again. And women and men do it. Mm-hmm. It's like the, um, I'm going to wait three days to reply or mm-hmm. I'm going to make you miss me before I turn back up. What are those things, if not effectively, just another way of trying to create need mm-hmm. rather than desire? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then the question then comes is that, is that what you want? Do you want someone to need you or do you want someone to choose you and desire you? Well, because one does anyone know has what they no want? agency. <laughs> One has no fucking agency. No. And one actually, like, I mean, it took, obviously, in my karma, I didn't think that way. Anyone who wanted anything was going to be, like, you know, a party. But actually, now I can tell you that I want someone who's going to choose me. Yeah. And I want them to want me to choose them back. Mm-hmm. Because then we both know we want to be there. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. So if I know that you are capable of telling me no, I can believe when you say yes, you mean it. And that is far more powerful than someone saying yes because they think they have to rather than because they want to. Mm -hmm. And especially when we're talking about sex, which is underpinned by desire, like, you know, which I know we'll go on to talk about in the next episode. That yes is potent. Mm -hmm. That yes is. It's powerful. Powerful. It's. There's your aphrodisiac. There's, yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) What happened with romance was that because we're so wired for story, we became very confused about what our yes and what our no is because it was always around, well, if this person is doing this for me, then it must be a yes. I Mm. should say yes. Yeah. 
Because these are all the signs mm. that say that I'm worthy. And also this is what other people have told me I should be saying yes to. Exactly. What about if you don't want a traditional relationship? What about... But that's not even a question in romance. No, Somehow no, I know. Somehow it has to be traditional. Yeah. Otherwise it wouldn't be romance. No, and even if it started off not traditional, it somehow fits into a box later. Oh, because oh, I'll tell you, romance is governed by the happily ever after that is required. Otherwise, it is not romance. I love a good happily ever after. I know you do. I know you do. But it has become so damaging. But the happily ever after has I mean, become that's what very we're damaging. Teaching. But that's what we teach in a very spiritual lens. We teach happily ever after. That is what we teach from a spiritual lens. Yes. But we don't teach it from a relationship lens, which involves people... Involves um, other people. Which involves... Yeah. happily ever after is your happily ever after. It is shaped by the meaning and intention... And the power you tend, you decide to give to yourself for your life mm. as as you live it individually, mm. and then can extend out yeah. to whatever relationships you have. Yeah, romance, your happily ever after involves another person, and that desire. No, I take that back. That need for the happily ever after, right? Ends up not being so happy because you're sacrificing your own happiness for the external happily ever after. But it's the need that then governs how you approach and define sex and relationships and how they fit for you, right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And when you're in your karma, just imagine the shit show that becomes. I mean, we almost don't have to imagine it. We've, We've all lived it. Every single person has been going through this. And a lot of people are still going through it. Yeah. You know, they've done this for me. I should I shouldn't break up with them because they've done this. Or and, they and, haven't done this for me, therefore I should break up with them. Yeah. By the way, romance love is just infatuation and lust. Which is great. Which is Super great. Yummy. There's nothing wrong with that. But that means then that we have warped our notion of like what love is. I mean, honestly, pick an episode, pick a season. We talk about love. You can probably list them. But we've diminished it to the point where we we mistake infatuation and lust for the hallmarks of love. Mm. Or that though you know that that is enough of a foundation for a loving relationship, and then we wonder why we're in crisis a year or two down the road, even after we've made our vows and said I do. You know, I. So what are the hallmarks me. of love rather than the hallmarks of infatuation and lust? Well, mutual respect, honesty, and communication would be how it is practiced, or because love is shining your light for everyone to see, right? So. That in practice with um, a long-term partner would be honesty, mutual respect, and communication, which the basis of is trust. Mm. Romance tells us what our first ex- our first sexual experience should look like, right? Mm. I mean, there's been a, there's a, there special. is a whole should be, be so special, special, and we have to love them. And you know, if it doesn't, then maybe the second one's going to be okay, and they'll redeem us. But our first sexual experience, I mean, that often sets us up for how we approach all of our sexual relationships after. Most people who do it are not ready. They tell themselves they're ready. If your reason isn't about you and isn't for yourself, you're going to be very disappointed. Not just in the experience, but in the aftermath. Romance primes us. It primes us and sets us up for these stories. And we wonder why we're disappointed when they don't play out. And what happens too is, I mean, imagine for the married couples who like never have sex or very rarely have sex. And yet they feel stuck. It's until you can render something meaningless that then you can ascribe your own meaning to it. So the reason I'm willing to write romance and I do enjoy it, and it's not because of the prescribed HEA or happily for now at the end, but it's because I love the idea of exploring relationships and love. And I do feel like there is something so important to story 
that there's value in that. I just wish that most people would approach it from a much healthier standpoint, right? And a less damaging one without all the paradigms and constructs that like, for instance, romance or Hollywood kind of or porn, or porn contribute to, we're still going to be stuck in this loop. So even if we see it for what it is from a spiritual lens, we also have to see how that works in reality. So a bit like we can say the spiritual lens of separation and then we break it down into like FOMO or mm. manifestation or whatever it is. Yeah. It's the same kind of thing here. Yes. Where we can see the spiritual lens of the masculine, the feminine and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. But actually now it's about seeing how that affects us in real life. Mm-hmm. And we can't translate that damaging relationship to it until we can see how it's actually affecting us. Mm-hmm. And I guess that we have to break through those paradigms. We have to create new, as you said, we have to render them, render them meaningless mm-hmm. and create new meaning. Yeah. So you can't just kind of reinvent the wheel, right? Or say, well, then it's going to be this now. Mm. It's almost like you have to almost do away with it mm. entirely or move away from it enough to create that distance to be able to have that perspective. It's quite simple. I mean, fortunately, the prescription is really not that terrible. I mean, can you stop playing games for a moment? Can you just do whatever the fuck you want to do? Can you see the other person as a human being, as you are, or a spiritual being if you want to go there, or whatever being you want to be being with? (laughs) Can you see that they are just like you? Yeah. They need the same reassurance that you do. Mm-hmm. They maybe have fears. They don't maybe don't like being vulnerable. Mm-hmm. That actually they have their own issues. And they're bringing them to the table just as much as you are. Yeah. And actually love and vulnerability and not being afraid of a no. So you can really have confidence in that yes. Mm-hmm. Allows two people to actually connect. Yeah. And that gives you so much more depth and experience to it. Can I ask you something? Yeah. What is the appeal? Like I know what it was back when I was mm. younger. I'm going to sound so boomer right now. In the now. 1900s. Yeah. <laughs> Back before the telephone. What is the appeal of game playing now? I mean, I feel like if I... think I were, it's insecurity. You think, it's, you think that's... It's just insecurity. Yeah. That's it. You don't think there's anything else to it. Well, I don't think you can play games in the same way, right? So if I message someone on WhatsApp... You cannot. That's and they why don't I'm reply wondering. to me for three days, I just think that's a dick move now. Okay. You know what I mean? Or like, you're never that busy. So actually, I imagine that game playing works is as much harder as it is because it's the threat. First of all, it's removed if you're met online because then clearly you're both wanting something. So that game is, you can't pretend, oh, I was just so happy by myself and then someone came along. No, because you've gone online. So, you know, (laughs) that's already gone. Okay. But then also that kind of, oh, I'm only available to return your message four days later. Well, you have your phone in your hand constantly. So again, that's also gone as well in a a way. Mm -hmm. So really the one thing I think, because I do see friends of mine who do play more games, although spending more time with me, they're growing out of it. But the ones who do play games, for me, it comes from a fear of rejection Hmm. and a power thing. So, so all the reasons are the same. It's all, exa- it's all exactly the same. It's I just power. find it fascinating. And it that... goes back to, I want to be able to say no to you because then I know you're going to be able to say, you're going to say yes to me. So mm. yeah, no, it's all the same things that we've been talking about in terms of romance a... or sex. It's exactly the same, but it's in relationship as power. If I don't have the power, right. then you can hurt me. Yeah. Therefore, I have to play games in order to maintain that power. Yeah. It's the vulnerability. Yeah. Or... And control. Yeah. But it's bullshit because actually it's never true yeah. and it's, it's, it's never been true. It never will be true. And if you have to manipulate yourself into being with someone, then you must think so little of yourself and so little of them. Yeah. 
But saying that, I do find when one person cuts through that, yeah. if you can't act authentically, mm-hmm. it normally either forces the other person to do the same, mm-hmm. which is why why I believe always put love into it, mm-hmm. because then you're having a loving relationship regardless, or it scares them off so well <laughs> that actually you can find someone who is able to meet you there. Yeah. So for me, I think there is no lose hmm. to actually approaching a relationship or dating mm-hmm. from an open space mm. because you'll either meet your match or you'll have the space created so that your match can come in. Because actually most people, like if you think about it, even with your friends and stuff, like we are naturally open creatures. We do want to be in open trusting situations, mm-hmm. even if it's for a day, an hour, a week, a month, a year, whatever. Mm-hmm. So it is there is no harm to it. And it is the only way often to cut through the bullshit is to behave how you want to be treated. And then actually it not only sets an example, but it kind of elevates the whole thing. I mean, I think it goes back to the judgment and shame we have around sex, right? Like nobody's honest about their sex lives. I struggle to be honest about mine, if I'm honest, if Mm. I'm honest, (laughs) you know, I don't like lying. I've never been able to do it. Wish I could. But whilst I don't judge myself, Mm. I'm mightily aware that no matter what my experience is on either side of the spectrum, judgment and shame will follow that mm-hmm. from other people. So I often choose to not share it yeah. simply because I can't be fucked for your judgment and shame, which has nothing to do with me and everything to do with you. But if we can't be honest about where we are at sexually, we'll never really get beyond all that judgment and shame. And now I'm not saying everybody needs to like put on a t-shirt and tell everyone who they've been with, how many times, you know, when they started having sex, how old they were, et cetera. We don't... It's no one's one's business, but you're right. No, but a lot of people just tend to overstate or downplay. You're either like, oh, you know, you're either exaggerating or you're downplaying Mm. your sort of your sexual history we're never honest about it at all and that really keeps us from transcending it because we get stuck in the judgment because we're still pandering to it exactly and i'm not saying you have to tell anyone i mean it's just as it's just as valid to say actually i don't i don't want to share that with you yeah that's beautiful that's very authentic and and integrity rather than being like oh if I don't share it they're going to assume this or that and then they're going to judge me and then they're not going to want me and then they're going to walk out the door and I'm going to be all alone forever and I'm going to die alone with 2,900 cats (laughs) like come on but I think the point is is that it's time that we just be honest it almost doesn't matter that as you said you know if I tell them and then they walk out the door well then goodbye goodbye Because as you said, it keeps us pandering to it, Mm. which keeps Keeps it alive. It keeps it alive and it keeps us in the old story that somebody is going to care how many people I slept Mm. with, what I did, et cetera. When it's, that's not the point. No, you know how we talk about how you bring 5D into being by just being a 5D person. That means Mm -hmm. there's more 5D in the world. Therefore, we're in a more 5D world. Yeah. It's the same. same. It works the other way around. The more we uphold separation, the more separation continues to exist. Mm -hmm. If we all tomorrow decided to stop playing in separation, separation would just die. We cannot do that. We've tried, (laughs) which is why we have to watch it piece by piece, layer by layer. But Mm -hmm. it's the same shit. It is the The more we pander to the judgment of it. And even me in this episode, being cryptic about my life as well, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, the more we pander to it... Yeah. the more we allow it to persist. And I hold that, you know, yeah. I, I can see myself doing that. I've done it too. I'm not super open about certain things and I know why. Yeah. I and I know because I just, it's the judgment. It's the judgment. 
has nothing to do with my married life. So I'm like, oh, well, then that's past is past. It's fine. But I also understand that at some point, and I always knew it would come out eventually, mm. right? And I can live with that. But no, yeah, it's the consciousness. It is. Right? It's the consciousness. It's that we... If we, we keep do. feeding... We keep it conscious. Exactly. It's literally, we keep performing CPR to bullshit. <laughs> and our mouths are covered in shit. And That's it's just true. bullshit. It and is. we're spewing shit. Like, it's all it bullshit. Is. Like, it is. It's all At bullshit. this stage, like... If we can't be honest about where we're at sexually, you know, maybe I've had five fewer than this person I'm going to sleep with. Should it matter? Not Does it? All. Why would it matter? But also, why does numbers mean anything anyway? Oh, but they you still do have... to people. I'm telling you. I, I mean, I, I feel like I said it. this recently, and the person who I said it to looks really shocked. It is not an achievement to stick a penis into a vagina. <laughs> it is not. It means nothing. That's not, in some ways, is that even sex apart from physically? Is that really, I mean, I'm sure, and we'll talk about this more in the next episode, but what does that mean? Why does that make one more? Well, it's also not an achievement to spread your legs. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's the same thing. That's what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of the day, someone in a very long time relationship having sex with one person could have way more experience than someone who's just had a series of one night stands. It's all relative and it's all bullshit. Mm -hmm. It means nothing. And unless we've ascribed meaning to it, which we continue to do because we're trying to uphold, as we've been saying, these bullshit paradigms and tropes of what it means to be a man, a woman, sexy, powerful, in control, etc. A sexual being as well. Yeah. Which is why it's so important just to heal your karma already. Because then I truly, and I say this from experience, and I will own this part, sex can be freer, better, and just a totally different experience when you aren't shackled by all the feelings of not being good enough. Mm -hmm. Because instead of having sex with the other person, it's actually an internal experience that you're sharing with someone else. And Mm. that is a game fucking changer. A big one. Literally. Yeah. And the more we keep (laughs) using sex as a measure of our worth, Mm-hmm. to show that we're deserving we're lovable we're perfect we're powerful you know we're not evil we're whole whatever it is yeah we can good. find someone who matters yeah the more we're going to keep ourselves away from the real thing mm-hmm. the beauty of being human yeah. one of the handful of benefits of it mm-hmm. we're not even going to get to experience it because we're too busy worrying we're not good enough to be that Thank you for listening. For more information, articles, and inspiration, find us at karmasmybitch.com and at karmasmybitch.insta. And if you liked what you heard, please subscribe and leave us a review.